Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They gotta be some tight asses, don't you think? Oh, they take it <laughs> very <laughs> seriously. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackey and Judd, we are back at full strength for the first time in like 10 or 11 days. Although you guys came in yesterday. Did you stay up? I was in Saturday, and then I came in and, and did the show uh, Monday with Collar to talk about Did you solve. guys uh, stay up till midnight and then... Take no. a nap and come in. You went. You no, went to I bed was early. in bed. I think I was in bed by ten thirty on Sunday night. Wow, it was very pathetic. Cover the game, which could be home. refreshing too. I mean, there's no reason to like the new year will still take place well, with or without you will. being awake at midnight. At forty eight, you just don't need need to stay up. Like when you're twenty eight, you got to stay up, right? And, and even when you're thirty eight, you feel like you got to. By forty eight, you're like, yeah, whatever, it's gonna happen. And like two thousand seventeen for both of us wasn't exactly the greatest personally, and a lot of things. So you could, yeah, you know, go to bed early, just get two thousand seventeen out of your system, and get then done with the new year. Come yeah. back. Uh, Miguel Sano might want to do that in a lot of ways too. This was what Wednesday or Thursday of last week, right? This came out. Yes, it was late last week, and I think most people have have at least read about the accusation. Uh, that took place in 2015 at a local mall after an autograph signing. The accuser, the woman, said Sano flirted with her. I'm just going to sum this up. Uh, then summoned her around the mall after the autograph signing. She's a photographer uh, that works for a couple different local publications and websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually, at the end of all this, Sano summoned her to a bathroom, public place. We're talking a mall here, a hallway, where he grabbed her arm and, according to her, attempted to pull her into the bathroom while also attempting to kiss her for around 10 minutes. So, all right, just for this particular, I actually have a write-up from Jeff Passan from Yahoo Sports. Yes. That's very, very interesting. Yeah, and very damning. But for this particular incident, whether it was an actual crime or not is questionable until we get more details. And the incident obviously didn't prompt her to scream for help to the point where anyone heard uh, or contact police. So there's a gray area here between promiscuous behavior and criminal behavior that I think we have to sort out yeah, still. Yeah, and and, and she, to, to, to the point of th- th- this happened in 2015, she never went to the cops. Right. So she put this out, I believe, in a in a Twitter-linked, basically, story or or thing that she wrote last right. week. And I think a lot of people read the story, and, and this is, you know, this is all part of, as, as the woman referenced, this Me Too movement that mm-hmm. has taken the country uh, the last six to 12 months. There are a lot of questions about the story that Major League Baseball is going to have. A lot of inconsistencies that I think should be pointed out. But if you take it a step further on the Miguel Sano side, it sounds like this type of behavior might just be the tip of the iceberg for Miguel Sano. Mm -hmm. Whether this was criminal or promiscuous or some vague gray area in between, it sounds like there's more to this in other instances. This is from Jeff Pass in Yahoo Sports. 
While Sanoa might have a lot of things, the utmost respect for women is not one of them. According to five people, including teammates, ex-teammates, and confidants with whom he has spent time. Though none accuse Sanoa of sexual assault or could confirm Betsy Bisson is the woman, uh, the accuser here, Mm -hmm. her account of the story. They characterized him as someone who saw the pursuit of women as a sport. Getting in trouble for it was, quote, only a matter of time, said one person familiar with Sano, who he called a, quote, ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. So there's already, you and I have raised questions about his baseball game the last year, and people rip on us for questioning his on-base percentage, his you know, third base, his weight, all these things. And now you add questions about his profile as a person and his character. on top of it. Absolutely. Yep. And so... Yeah, the the, the uh, pass and story, and he's he is v- very respected and uh, very good at what he does. The pass and story to me was incredibly damning because this was not a hot take type of story or uh, oh man, this guy is you know he he writes this type of stuff. Jeff Passan's really good, and so when, when he talks to five people, he talked to five people. This is not in question to he's me. He's very plugged in. Yes, yes. and so. And and now what's interesting about this whole thing, and as we go down the uh, Me Too path as well, is this, on a broader scope, is this just the start for baseball and sports as well? Because there's a lot of people with a lot of stories, um, and and it seems to me in reading the past story that baseball is going to have the ability that football has as well, which is you don't have to be charged with a crime to get in trouble and or suspended. Yeah. So, so this investigation... Uh, could lead to a place where certainly there will there will not be charges filed against him at any point. Uh, but that being said, this also could lead to a place where he is suspended as well. Yeah, I, it's it's hard. I don't remember exactly how many games or all this Chapman received, but it was that story month, was right? him firing like yeah, was it a month? Uh, yeah, I think it was thirty days. And then Jose Reyes got suspended too. Yeah. So there's there haven't been very many recent instances of stories coming out of assault or sexual assault. If you just take the the alleged details of this story and compare it to like Araldus Chapman, I don't think it's not to sit and compare transgressions, yeah. but I mean, in, in some ways you have to with the alleged details. He choked his significant other and fired six rounds into the side of his garage. If yeah. I remember the details of that correct, I think you're right. Um, so I don't know what baseball is going to do here. If you're the Twins front office and you're looking at Miguel Sano the player and Miguel Sano the person, this is super complicated. Because as we've talked about for months on this show, let's take the the, the now personal questions out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of it now that this story comes out and the Jeff Passon story comes out. As a player only, there's a ton of red flags. The guy can't keep under a manageable weight. He's been hurt for large chunks of the last two years. He doesn't look like a long-term third baseman. How many third basemen are roaming around at 290? You know, like yeah. that's not a long-term feasible, viable position for him. If he can't keep in better shape, these are all very much viable questions and red flags and as concerns. a baseball player. Absolutely. And there was a story that they were trying to shop him at the winter meetings a couple weeks ago, or at least they were floating him around, maybe with the Chris Archer rumors, and I, I don't know the exact details. Now, if you pick up the phone, and let's say you decide Miguel Sano as a player is not the franchise player that we want to pay $20 million to on a big contract when his time comes up in a year or two. Now, if you pick up the phone, on top of the questions as a player, you have to deal with, well, what about all these stories about him running around and, and yeah, and potential suspensions, and either promiscuous and because I don't, I think you have to be careful judging athletes on promiscuous, non-illegal behavior. But anything like this concerns you a lot. Yes. If if you're the employer, if you're the team, and and you've got this asset, and you say this guy could be a phenomenal player, 
And now, as you just said, his weight fluctuates greatly, way too much. He, he gets near, what, 300 pounds by the end of last year. And now this story, and it all starts to add up, and you say to yourself, all right, what do we what do we know about this guy, and what can we do? Is it feasible uh, to change him? And the problem here is this. All of this stuff is going to add up, and now if you want to trade him, guess what? Teams are going to say, uh-uh, not now. Yeah. And if we will take him, we're, we're certainly not going to surrender what we might have a month ago. Uh, the other thing, though, with all of these stories, Phil, is this to me. And this gets back to the most important thing that we as media and fans have to keep in mind. And this is, I don't know Sano well enough to know if he's a good guy who's been miscast here, if he's a terrible guy. I don't know. But this all gets back to this. It's a reminder. We don't know these guys. I, I honestly think, Phil, that the victim shaming that goes on lots of times from fans is the fans are mad at themselves. Because they watch Miguel play and they see him as a teddy bear, right? And he seems like a good guy. You see a, a microphone put in front of his face and he's trying as hard as he can to be likable. And this all goes back to, and this has been going on forever with with us in this business and for sports fans, we want to believe that we know the guy. We want to believe there is no way that Miguel Sano could have done this, except he might have. And baseball players, because they don't, they don't wear helmets... There, you see them 162 times per year for three hours, unlike maybe football players that you're only out there 16 games a year. You feel a much more personal connection as a fan to baseball players because they're just more accessible, right? You're, you read about it more often. You got Twins Fest. They don't have a Vikings Fest. They have training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is easier to get attached. But to your point, you never know. I, I'll, I'll keep bringing up Darren Sharper yeah, to the say, day I die. That's, yes. Darren Sharper was a guest on Roycey and Mackey for two or three years. Yep. And he was our best... Always reliable guest. If you would have asked me, do you think Darren Sharper is about to spend the next four decades of his life in prison for sexually assaulting and drugging the drinks of women? A serial I would have said, what? Yep. Maybe he gets a little frisky on the weekends, but you never know yes. with these guys. And Real quick, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500 if you have thoughts on Miguel Sano before and after this story came out and last that, week. And that's why, to me, it's so important that we always keep in mind that that these guys are gifted at what they do, and they're fun to watch, and sports is great fun. But we always want to take that leap with, with celebrities, athletes. We always want to go down that path of, well, this guy must be a great guy. His teammates love him. Uh, the damning thing to me about the Sano thing, and, and you, you, you can read into this, I think, a little bit at least, was when Betsy's story came out and Trevor Plouffe tweeted her back, I wish you had told me. Um, to me, that to me, that's at least an insinuation from Trevor that this does not come as a shock to me because I don't think Trevor is going to tweet that unless he thinks he knows something. Yeah, I'd like to know that more very about interesting. that. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of things about this story that I, I mean, if you if you just take this particular accusation without any other context, I think a lot of people raise logical questions like, wait a second, he weighs probably twice as much and. You know, you're in a public place. It's a hallway of a mall. You know, why? There's all kinds of questions. But then when you broaden it out, even if this particular story has a lot of holes in it and maybe lacks some credibility, the bigger picture of Miguel Sano and this Jeff Passan story and ex teammates and confidants coming out even anonymously and saying, yeah, this dude's a ticking time bomb. Yeah. There is, there's validity here. And this is a problem that needs to be addressed either by the league or by the twins or both. And maybe at some point, Maybe at some point by authorities, although nothing like that has come out. There haven't been any crimes. Right, correct. Um, Absolutely, it's not officially committed here. But yeah, six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. 
if you guys have thoughts on Miguel Sano, uh, if you're Derek Favre or Thad Levine, what would you do at this point? So we can also come back. Normally we do our pigskin packing order. We're going to tweak it a little bit as it pertains to the Vikings when we come back here. And Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com joins in about an hour from now. Mackie and Judd. Now, exactly what is this special surprise you mentioned there? Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. We're talking this Miguel Sano story, and we'll get back into Vikings. We have a a slightly different pecking order today we're going to get into. But uh, Miguel Sano was accused of, just to sum it up, at best, promiscuous, entitled behavior with with a woman after an animal. It's assault. Well, by her account. Yes, her her account is is she's accusing him two years after the fact of assaulting her. So, yes, of grabbing her arm yes. uh, firmly. And then the Jeff Passan story comes out from Yahoo with five ex-teammates and confidants with uh, you know, various degrees of damning statements against Miguel Sano that it was only a matter of time until his pursuit of women as a sport got him in trouble. That he's a ticking time bomb. If you are either a Twins fan or if you put yourself in the shoes of Derek Falvey, Thad Levine... How would you look at Miguel Sano now? 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Tim, you're on the show. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Glad to have you back on the air. Thank you. We're glad to be back, man. Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. So I'm, I'm one who likes to believe, or not believe, I, I like to hear both sides of a story before I pass judgment. Uh, you sure. know, I, uh, I'm not saying I don't believe her. I just like to hear both sides of a story and then kind of figure out what does each person kind of have to gain or lose. Um, and... As it stands right now, I, I just feel like she has nothing to lose by sharing that, or, or nothing to gain. She she's not asking for any money. Um, but I think what's really sad, and I think this is kind of predominant in all sports, is the comments that people were making about her on social media are just unbelievable. And it shows you why, if I were a woman, why I wouldn't want to come forward. Yeah. It's just sad. I mean, this, this this accuser and I have like a mutual Facebook friend, and this friend was posting some of the things that people were saying. And it's like, my goodness. Like seriously, do you take sports that seriously that you have to to yep. go to that depth? Um, but as as far as what I would do, I guess I would just again want to you know hear both sides, you know, like get his side of the story. He was obviously with some other people, so it'd be interesting to hear their side, you know, see what they have to say. Um, but she certainly has a lot to lose and not much to gain by it, which I think gives her story a bit more credibility. Yeah, and Tim, I w- thank you for the phone call. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. There's different angles here. I think if you're Major League Baseball and the Twins, you're going to want to know, when. And, and, and I believe uh, Major League Baseball already reached out to her and may have already spoken they, with her. They were going to late last week, right. I think Jeff Passan reported. You're going to want to know, why did you go around the mall with him? Um, did you not scream? It was a public play. You're going to want to know, you're going to want to vet the story, because obviously if it's a he said, she said, you're going to want to get as much information as possible. Right. So with this in particular case, there's a lot of questions to be answered. With the Jeff Passan story from Yahoo layered on top of it, it's fairly obvious where there's smoke, there's fire when it comes to Miguel Sano and his off-the-field activities. And that's the most, to me, that's the most important thing is, is, is this story just the start? Like, is baseball now go- going to say, okay, if this story's out there and, and passing found pe- people who say that, that this guy was a ticking time bomb, can we find five more stories like yeah, this? Well, there's another story I saw, a fan's account from a Chattanooga Lookouts game a few years ago when Sano was at Double A. And how he was chirping at a, a female usher for some length of time to the point where 
something had to be said or something. You know, there was an intervention of some kind. So this again, like this isn't just an isolated incident. Whoa, where'd this come from out right. of nowhere? Now, now people, their sources and coming. If you out find saying, more stories, that that becomes the problem because then baseball is going to say there's a pattern of this behavior here, and that's where I think you get in even more trouble. Yeah, six five one six four six eight two five five. Terry, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Good morning. Hey, Terry. Uh, let me start. Let me start by saying that I'm not going to say probably nothing happened, but I've been into a fair amount of malls around the Twin Cities, and they're all pretty much constructed the same. You've mm-hmm. got a hallway that's about 100 feet long going down to men's and women's bathrooms. And the story that I read and what she reported was that he had tried to get her to kiss him or hug him or whatever for 10 minutes, and all the while she's screaming. I can't believe that for 10 minutes, down a 100-foot hallway, that nobody in the mall corridor could hear her. Yeah, again, like Terry, Terry, you bring up a really good point. Uh, but here's the the thing: if you've if you've been in those those mall corridors, there, there's ordinarily a double doors that that shut behind you, and and then you go down the corridor towards the bathroom. So there would be a chance if no one was around that you could make a lot of noise and not be heard. Hey, I guess I've never seen one of those. I'm I'm talking Maplewood Mall, Rosedale. Most of these are just wide open hallways where you walk down this hallway for like say about a hundred feet. And they're out of the bathroom. I've never had to go through one with, with doors. Yeah, I mean, so I thank you, Terry. I look at this as there's there's this particular accusation deserves to be vetted much more. Absolutely. But then there's all these other little brush fires around Miguel Sano that are coming out now as well. Right. And all of those add up to something for me. Well, they it, add up to something. And Passon's story starts with with the fact that that, and I'm, I'm sure that this is the concern of every league. Where does this go now? Like, if this story, okay, this story's out there, but if you think, okay, this this just happens once in a while, I got bad news for you. It doesn't. Unfortunately, now, now I'm not saying that every one of these situations rises to an assault. I'm sure it doesn't. But nonetheless. Uh, these sports leagues, at some point in time, might have to decide exactly how they how they want to approach these things, because we, we've both been been around sports enough and athletes enough to know that it's a slippery slope now. And if people start to say, you know what, this this happened to me or that, you're going to go down a path where you're either going to have to establish a conduct policy or something. Uh, because this is not going to end with this with this story about Miguel yeah. Sano. You know, we can keep our email inbox open for this too. Uh, Mackie and Judd at fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. If you have thoughts on it, you want to flush it out, we can read some emails on the show a little bit later. Also at Phil Mackie at fifteen hundred ESPN Judd on Twitter. But uh, let's get back to the Vikings here. Rise and shine, football fans! Dig out the meat and potatoes. Because it's time for Maggie and Judd's pigskin pecking order. And not necessarily the same pecking order that we've been doing throughout the entire football season. Let's rank them this way. 11 teams, not the Vikings, that if you are the Vikings scouting the rest of the AFC and NFC, the order in which you would least like to face these teams. So number one being the team that you would be the most nervous about if you're the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And then number 11 being the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> yeah, funny you mention right? that. Let's be honest. Yeah. All right. I will start right there. The Titans. Yeah, I'm not scared of them no. one bit. I mean, they're but, not, not going to get Buffalo, far enough to, to worry about Buffalo anyway. Buffalo and the Titans do not belong in the playoffs. They just don't. They are good for them. You can pretty easily replace them with like just, the Cowboys and the whatever and the Seahawks yeah. or something. 
Uh, number 10 on my list, and this is because uh, if, if the Vikings had to face them, they would not have to face them in their home stadium. And Blake Bortles away from Jacksonville is no problem whatsoever. So even though the Jaguars have a good defense, the Jacksonville Jaguars are number 10 on my list. Number 9 on my list, the Carolina Panthers. They just don't scare me very much. Number 8 is the Atlanta Falcons. Number 7, dropping drastically, obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles. When you don't have Carson Wentz and your defense has, has been suspect for a few weeks here, um, I I think Philadelphia is being undersold a little bit, but they don't frighten you like they would like they certainly would have a couple months ago. Uh, number six, the suddenly red hot once again, and the very weird Kansas City Chiefs. They got off to that great start. They went in the absolute toilet, and I believe they won their last four games of the season. So number six is the Chiefs. Number five. The Pittsburgh Steelers, thirteen and three. Your conference wasn't good. Um, you've got a good quarterback. Uh, I respect them. I don't know that they absolutely scare me. Number four, the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay's done a fantastic job. As I told you before, I think a, a McVay Zim Part Two would be really fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, number three, that leaves the New Orleans Saints. If there is one team in this conference besides the Vikings that I would say that team could be really, really tough, I think the Saints are it. And uh, Actually, I'm sorry. That was number two. And then the top one is the New England Patriots. The Patriots with Belichick, with Brady. Um, I don't care that, that they got off to a bad start. The Patriots are the Patriots, and that makes them number one on my list almost every year. All right, so uh, yeah, we're, this, we're, we're tracking similarly here in some areas. So this is 1 through 11 the teams the Vikings should be most nervous about facing in the playoffs, uh, 11 being the Titans, because they're the Titans. Like, uh, number 10, I was kind of hoping that the Chargers and Ravens would get in. Because at least oh, Phillip Rivers. The Ravens and, had every chance to get in and completely. How do you lose that game to the Bengals? God. And then they had him. It was like a third and 14, and it they was. allow a touchdown pass. Yes. Ridiculous. Although watching the Buffalo Bill fan celebrations, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 18 years, no playoffs. Longest drought currently in uh, among the four major professional sports leagues. Uh, number 10, Bills. I don't know. Those two teams are just, they're kind of made for each other. Uh, number nine, I'm with you on putting this team pretty far down the list. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I, I would put them higher on the list against other teams in the playoffs, but if it's just Vikings versus these teams, yeah. maybe it'd be a low-scoring game, but Blake Bortles wouldn't accomplish anything yeah. against a Mike Zimmer defense. Absolutely so no chance. It would be a very low-risk game, Vikings against Jaguars, and it's not going to happen because you'd have to play him in the Super Bowl, and good luck getting past Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger. Number eight, Kansas City Chiefs. I don't see them getting to the Super Bowl. If they did, I think the Vikings would be heavy, heavy favorites against them. Number seven, Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton at U.S. Bank Stadium does not scare me one bit. Mm -hmm. And aside from that one big run at the end of the game a month ago when the Vikings played the Panthers in Carolina, the Vikings dominated him. So uh, I say bring on the Panthers in the NFC. Number six, Philadelphia Eagles. It'd be a road game. The Eagles defense is still formidable. Not as good as the Vikings defense, but I'm going to put the Eagles are six mostly because of it's still a road game. The conditions might get weird. Uh, the Vikings aren't quite as good on the road. Number five, Atlanta Falcons. I have them higher than you do on this list because I think they'd be comfortable on the U.S. Bank Stadium fast track. 
You wouldn't be making them play outdoors in the cold. It'd be climate controlled. It would feel a lot like, except for the noise, the home stadium they play in. And they're looking to make amends from losing to the Vikings already and losing last year's Super Bowl. So there's some extra motivation there for the Falcons. Number four, Los Angeles Rams. There's something about Sean McVay and and the energy that team plays with. And then the way they adjusted to the Seattle loss early in the year and then destroyed the Seahawks the second time around. There's an adjustment factor there that should not be taken lightly with the Rams. Uh, Number three, teams the Vikings should be most worried about on their path to the Super Bowl. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Although I do think the Vikings are very well equipped to stop or limit Antonio Brown compared to other teams, that's if he plays. Yeah. he's He might not be 100% until next year at this point. Number two, New Orleans Saints. We talked about it a lot earlier with Matthew Collar. Multifaceted offensive attack, respectable defense, and a very accurate surgical quarterback in Drew Brees. And number one, the New England Patriots. And I would love to see that matchup. matchup. I know that, I mean, that's going to be two weeks of sweating out the greatest dynasty in the history of pro football if that matchup takes place, but that would be so much fun. Mike Zimmer and Bill Belichick head-to-head scheming for two weeks. Offensively. He, he Same pr- thing he probably they did against do, yeah. the, the Seattle Seahawks four years ago. Yep. Start pa- passing, go, going short passes, move Tom, downfield slow. Tom Brady would throw, it would be, I mean, it would honestly be a 50-pass game for Tom Brady, and it would be death by paper cuts. But even that strategy shouldn't have worked. The Seahawks should have yeah. won that game. They should have punched it in with LaShawn uh, McCoy, with uh, Marshawn Lynch. But still, two weeks. Two weeks to ba- basically Belichick prepares offensively and defensively. That would be a lot yeah, of the fun. The Gronk factor would be the, the most interesting chess match. The three, the three Zimmer-related matchups that I think would be a lot of fun would be Zimmer McVay, Zimmer Payton, Zimmer Belichick. Yes. All of those would be fun to watch. might get a chance to see at least a couple of those on the path to uh, the playoffs. So uh, we'll catch up with Kevin Seifert next hour from ESPN.com. Uh, we should get to at the top of the hour, if they do make it to the Super Bowl, this notion that it's going to be a home game is a little bit misguided. We can talk about that maybe uh, in a half hour at 11 o'clock. Dave's got some stuff when we come back here. I do. Notes from both pro and college football. A little talk about what happened at Target Center yesterday. And Bill Walton makes an appearance. Yes. We've got some big news. Mackie and Judd now continue. Can you smell it? On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Concordia University Online Learning. Get on track to a successful business career with Concordia University St. Paul. Learn online or on campus. Learn more about their business degrees at online.csp.edu. In sports, there's a lot of stuff you should simply be aware of. There was stuff going on that no one talked about. Pretty heavy stuff. Let me show you some stuff. I don't do that stuff no more. This stuff can give you brain damage. And then there's the stuff you should know about. Lots of great stuff. This is the fun stuff. I love this stuff. Good stuff. Man, this stuff's good. This is that kind of stuff. I want to check that stuff out. Mackie and Judd now continues. This is very serious stuff we're talking about here. With stuff you should know about. And I've missed stuff, Dave. I've missed it. Well, it's good that you're back then, finally. I'm glad to be back. Nice to see the both of you. Uh, Let's do this. Let's talk about gamesmanship, boys. You'd think if you're Bill Belichick and you've got a Week 17 matchup against the lowly New York Jets who have nothing left to play for... You wouldn't have to worry about strange sounds coming out of a co-host's phone. Sorry, you also wouldn't my my uh, Instagram account. Wouldn't have to worry about (laughs) losing to the Jets. However, if you're Belichick, you don't take chances, boys. Did you see the game time temp in Foxborough yesterday or Sunday? 
No. It's around 10 degrees. Mm-hmm. Very, very cold. Very cold. So what does Bill do? Pre-game warm-ups, hour, hour and a half before the game. Goes out of the field in the t-shirt and shorts. No big deal. No big deal. What else does he do? He asks the game ops people or whoever takes care of this thing to put the big, you know, circle thermometer deals, something you can't miss, all along the tunnel that the Jets were uh, walking to get to and from the field, as well as multiple behind the Jets bench. Just so they know that it's super cold outside. Just right? a reminder, that, boys. Does that not sound like a Bud Grant tactic right there? A little bit. Go out with no uh, no coat on, maybe shorts on. How sure are we that the footballs were properly inflated? We can't be sure on that. Everybody knows. Okay. Just, just wanna... ask Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love how he's become like a go-to authority on all of these <laughs> topics now. I've seen him like five different stories since then, too. Bill Nye making a comeback. <laughs> and then there's coaches that are not going to be around anymore. We built this program on three words. Uh, trust, loyalty, and respect. I told our team last time it was done. Uh, I'm retiring. <laughs> Excuse me. And they lied to you. Because of that, then... There's no greater feeling in the world than to know your players have your back. Bruce Arians. So trust, loyalty, and respect, but he's proud of his team for lying to the media? I don't see how this jives at all. He forgot two other words, too. Ryan Lindley, I think, has to be part of his <laughs> legacy as a coach at Arizona. Then there was also Bruce Arians today uh, with Golick and Wingo talking about his thoughts on the NFL. And Judd, just give yourself a pat on the back right now. I right. think the quality of the game has dropped dramatically, technically. Uh, how to block, how to tackle, how to play football. But the quality of the athlete is so great, it's saving the game. You know, line play is almost non-existent because they never get to practice. They never get to practice playing how to play an offensive line and defensive line anymore. Yeah, he's right. He's exactly right because of the the fact that that basically, what, you can't hit, you can't have two-a-days. I think you can have X amount of padded practices in training camp. He is exactly right. The the quality, the technical quality of, of the game has dropped. The athletic ability remains fantastic and has probably been has, is probably at an all time high. But if you want like coverage and you want blocking and all that stuff, you don't see it. Yeah, I'm not sure I would take my football evaluation from a guy who won one playoff game. Well, then take it from me. Well, you've won no playoff games, so combined. I've seen a lot of losses. <laughs> seen a lot of playoff losses, if that helps you. Of course, Bruce Aaron, you think Bill Belichick complains about the quality of blocking and the quality? No, why don't you coach better? Coach your team. <laughs> Bruce? Fair, Judd has predicted Vikings playoff losses when it looked like they were going to win, so that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah thank you. Uh, I assume you guys would recognize this sound. Buffalo Bills fans? Yeah, close enough. Buffalo Bills locker room as they uh, watch that 4th and 12 miraculous touchdown pass. Andy Dalton to beat the uh, Ravens. Have you heard what Bills fans have done, by the way, on behalf of Andy Dalton? Yes, it's very cool. It's pretty incredible. Uh, This was the last tweet from Dalton. This was last night. In the 24 hours since the first donation came in to the Andy and I think it's Jordan Dalton Fund, they help uh, underprivileged kids, kids with special needs, whatnot. Over 2,500 donors and just over $57,000 in counting. Donations coming in at about 10 per minute. Most of those from Bills fans donating $17 a piece. 
in honor of 17 yeah. years of a playoff drought. And the Bengals are going to be sending a boatload of wings, or, or no, vice versa. The Bills, the, to the the Bills yes. sending wings to uh, the Bengals. So. How did Baltimore lose, though? Honest to God, <laughs> I, got, I, I went back and watched that like five times. It was incomprehensible to have that. Yeah. That might be that might be the greatest last day meltdown since since the 2003 Vikings, Vikings? since Vikings Cardinals and Packers beat Denver. That might be the greatest meltdown since. Then. <gasps> yes. Well, I mean meltdown as far as, you know, losing control and losing control of a game, yes. but I, I like this meltdown from the Sugar Bowl. Nick Saban doesn't like the way they're finishing these drives. They've got the field position. They just have not been able to put the thing away. And you see him getting into Brian Dable a little bit right now. He wanted another touchdown to kind of ice this thing and take some of his guys out of the game. And I don't think he feels comfortable doing that. Do you guys see Saban on the sidelines giving it to the OC yesterday? Uh, Brian Dable is their yes. offense coordinator. Um, I didn't see that particular uh, instance, but for him to be lighting up coordinators in a blowout win is not shocking. He used to do that all the time with Lane Kiffin. Oh, and he did it once again. You have like Lane forty-two Kiffin. to three, and they yes. have an incomplete pass, and he's just freaking out on the sideline. That's exactly what I did. I went to Lane Kiffin's Twitter account where he's become <laughs> prolific, and I tried. To, I, it's like the guy's got to be tweeting about this, but he didn't. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. He hasn't tweeted for twelve hours, and it was. Oh, well, uh, that's tremendous. Yeah, very so, disappointing. why did Brian yeah. Dable, uh, Brian Dable has been with Bill Belichick twice as an assistant coach, yeah. including up until a couple years ago? Did he get fired by the Patriots, or did he just go? to coach for Nick Saban. I don't Do we remember. Know? No, I don't know. I don't know. But Lane Kiffin has to tweet about this. That's the only good thing. Yeah, <gasps> I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. It's very disappointing. Probably still drunk from his uh, bowl game win a couple weeks ago. Who, so a nice couple Akron? weeks for him. Akron? Yeah, the Zips. Yeah, Wasn't the Zips? They beat up on the Zips. 50 yeah. to 3 or something, right? Get some cold cuts. Get some cold cuts. Get some cold cuts. Woo! Oh, meow! Pull out! Oh, I know this. What is it? Jordan Spieth, right? Very good. Oh, very good. What is it? I'll let Dave explain. Jordan Spieth. That was, I believe, from Christmas night. At <laughs> in his in his home, he's got a golf simulator. Maybe it was a brand new thing for Christmas. I don't know. But he holes out. He does a little hole in one. Literally, the ball goes straight into the cup. Doesn't even bounce. And that was a celebration from those filming. My question is, does it count as a hole in one if you do it on a simulator? Uh, for him, no. For any of us. Just regular golfers who are trying to scratch bogeys, 100% You yes. frame that ball? 100% yes. <laughs> you, frame it, you cut it out of the screen and you frame it, yes. I went to Five a Top Golf, by the way, uh, for the first time in Arizona. There's a Top Golf coming to the Twin Cities here sometime in 2018. Uh, they make those targets wide enough where anyone can hole out from any blood alcohol level from any distance. I'll say, the, 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 the Top Golf concept is right, driving range plus booze and appetizers, basically? Correct, yeah. Imagine taking great. like a Buffalo Wild Wings and then adding, uh, adding about 150, I don't know, lounge stations with, so it, with golf clubs it's a and a simulator. Basically, just a big, huge warehouse like restaurant. It's like a, it's like a stadium uh, with a restaurant and conference rooms and full bars right. and uh, games that you can play while inebriated with golf balls and golf clubs. So yes. when you when it's you amazing. when you step up to hit the golf ball behind you, then is there like you know a couple lounge chairs yes. and a flat screen and everything yes. and a nice table and you can order the. Uh, that's exactly what it is. That sounds 
fantastic. It's ridiculous. I just eat some. Ah, I'm just gonna hit a couple five irons and come back to my drinks. Yeah, they, good. they actually have. I, it's, I think sometime early 2018 because they're already hiring like tactical positions. I'm not sure where it's going to be in the Twin Cities, but um, they have. Very highly trained waiters and waitresses and bartenders, and then they have like these technical people that come by and show you how to use all the screens and buttons and things. And, and the drunker you get, the more fun it gets. Correct, sure. exactly. I know how to use them. Yeah. <laughs> UCFAD Danny White after their win over Auburn. National champs, undefeated. Is he wrong? Well, they should. Oh. I mean, they beat Auburn. And they should have been in an eighteen playoff. I would agree with that. Yeah. They th- now would they in an eighteen playoff would they have let's say Auburn was their first round game. Mm-hmm. It would have been against Clemson probably because they would have been the eight seed. But let's say it was Auburn. They win that game. Are they going to then beat like Georgia and Alabama to win it all? Probably not. But after running the table, going twelve and zero, and then beating Auburn in the bowl game, don't they show you? Hey, these teams should be taken seriously to some degree, yes, and should be given a shot if you have a playoff. If if you have eight teams, now the difference is this: if it's four teams, the the, the way it was yesterday was perfect to me because it was fun. Like I don't want, I don't need to reward teams in in the current format. Just give me what you are guessing are the best games, and and they did so. If you go eight teams, then yes, let's take that Cinderella team and throw them in as the eight seed and give them an opportunity. But until we get there, he is wrong in this sense. I don't want them in because there is a chance they just get blown out, and I don't want to see that. If it's 20 years ago and we literally decide who's number one at the end of the year on just a vote, I mean, Auburn beat Georgia and Alabama in the regular season. You beat Auburn in a big bowl game. Yeah, you got a good You've point. got an argument, right? Yes. What's you the, got one heck of an the, argument. The AP poll, you're you're not wrong. Yeah. So what's the highest if it would have been the AP poll and then they're assigning bowl games kind of based on that instead? Um well what's do we know what the highest Central Florida climbed in the AP poll? I don't know. Cause because it's possible that voters would have looked but, at that win and said, Wow, you know, let's well, I guess they are the national champions. Yeah, who would be so so if, if this went back to uh, back then, who would be the national champion? In, in the AP poll because the Bulls would be done now. Probably Oklahoma or uh, probably Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, yeah, probably Georgia. And UCF would be second, like or, second third. or third. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to say that. Alabama would be in the top. I think it'd be it'd probably be in some order. Mm-hmm. Georgia, Alabama, and then Central Florida with like Oklahoma coming in fourth or something like that. Now let's wrap this with Bill Walton. He was on the call not with his normal guy Dave Pash. I'm not sure who the play by play guy Is it was. Over? But, they were doing the Washington State-UCLA game a few days ago on the 29th, and Malachi Flynn, big-time <laughs> sophomore for Washington State, great player, and I think we cannot trust Bill's stories anymore. This is the best I've ever seen him play. Have you seen him play before? Yes. Oh, I, I did a, a, a Cougar game a couple years ago. He's a sophomore. Really? He wouldn't have been there a couple years ago. How what defiant he is. Of course. How high do we think Bill is during these telecasts? I don't care. Get higher. Oh, I know. No, it's fantastic. But I'm saying how high do we think Bill is? Like is like like a bong, couple bong hits. You know what makes me think? So that was a different play-by-play guy, right? That yes. wasn't Dave Pash. So I think some of it's a setup. Because ordinarily that would just be a passing comment that you would let go if you're the play-by-play guy. You'd be like, in your head, you'd think, well, I guess he's probably seen him before. I don't know. <laughs> But instead, it's almost like Bill set him up to play the straight man. Have you seen him play before? Why would he ask him that question? Why would you question your color commentator 
in that situation if it wasn't a setup. This is the best I've ever seen him play. Have you seen him play before? Yes. You never hear that. I I did a a Cougar game a couple years ago. He's a sophomore. Really? (laughs) You never hear that, right? Where? Here's the most important question. The setup. Where's Dave Pash? Have we found Dave Pash? Is is Dave yeah. Pash in, in a uh, institutionalized He's in somewhere a mental now? institution <laughs> like somewhere. Bouncing off walls. Dave like Pash has taken a leave of absence. Uh, of, uh, yeah, He's lost to meet a turban. Um, there is some interesting Vikings news that just came down this morning regarding the quarterback position. Let's come back with that, Mackie and Judd, and also Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com in the 11 o'clock hour. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I don't get. Mackey and Judd. It's very, it's odd at times. On 1500 ESPN. I don't think there's any curse. I've got a, I've got a uh, crystal ball and I've got a, what is that? A wood spirit hanging in my office. So there's no damn curse. Isn't it funny, real quick before we get to this Vikings news, that the Vikings have, now they won an, they won NFL champion, they won an NFL championship in the Super Bowl era which kind of, it was before the merger, so right? Because they, they won the NFL in 1969. Before they, played, before they played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl that yeah. year. Yes, that's correct. So it's a little bit that, that they have an NFL championship, but it was before the merger and they lost the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could say they don't have any championships, any league championships. Mm-hmm. And that's just a non-story in the NFL. And it could be any team, but it's just a non-story. Now, it might be a story if it were the, the Lions or the Browns, but even those teams, they won NFL championships before the Super Bowl era. In the 50s, yes. In other sports like baseball... Indians, the droughts are huge storylines. Cubs and Indians. But the Vikings are going to go in as one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl and also have never won a championship. It's a huge drought storyline. Mm-hmm. But droughts just don't really matter as much, I guess, in in uh, I football. Think, I, I think in football, in football, droughts are talked about, but they're not a, a huge deal like they are in baseball. I, yeah. think the, I think the most important thing in football, though, is how you've lost important games, right? Because you think about that, I mean, the thing about the Vikings is not is not the fact that they so much that they they haven't won a championship. The thing about the Vikings, if you think about it, is this: how they've lost conference title games, eighty seven, ninety eight, two thousand nine, and so in football, I think the the jinx is not the amount of time that you've gone without a title so much as as the jinx being the way that we lost you, these yeah. games in in a fashion that's unfathomable. Sure, like the Buffalo Bills, four straight, right? Yep. Um, here's the story. Sam Bradford has been cleared, and he is back at practice today. In fact, there are multiple reports. Now, Ben Gessling just tweeted something out from the Star Tribune. Uh, Pat Elfline is also back at practice today. But Bradford's out there. I think it's a no-brainer if you're going to activate two quarterbacks on game day in two weeks for that. And it's the Sunday night. It's the last of the divisional playoff games. So you're going to play on that Sunday night or late Sunday afternoon, I guess. 340 is going to be the uh, local start time. Sam Bradford is my backup. If he's physically able, I've seen Sam Bradford play well more recently than Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Bradford's peak is higher than Teddy Bridgewater's. Yep, It's a no-brainer if you're going to activate only two quarterbacks on game day and Sam Bradford's healthy enough in practice today and tomorrow. He is my backup quarterback. If Case Keenum goes down and Bradford's healthy, you don't feel terrible about your chances to still put up 25 or 30 points on an opposing defense if Sam Bradford is the same guy that he was before the injury. Uh, the Vikings now have three weeks to decide, too. So if Bradford comes back and he is slowed a, a little bit, you've got some some time where Bridgewater could be the backup, I believe, then for the divisional round game and for the championship game, it could be uh, Bradford. The reason why I agree is very, very simple. If Teddy goes in and plays, 
this offense, while not entirely new, because he certainly um, sat in on on the the um, fact it's been put in for a long time now. Installation. Uh, if you're Bradford, you know this offense inside out. So I I would do it based on the fact that I know I, I would make Bradford the backup based on that he knows Shermer's system inside and out. So the call to me would, would be made on which of these two quarterbacks, if Case gets hurt, has the best opportunity to step in and seamlessly execute it, and that would probably be Bradford. Yeah, and I think obviously for anyone just tuning in, Case Keenum is your starting quarterback. Case Keenum finished top 10 in passer rating, number one among, well, I should say this, number two, because Carson Wentz was number one in QBR. So he's your starting quarterback. But it's nice to know if Sam Bradford's healthy and you can activate him, whether it's for the divisional round or the conference championships, that if your starting quarterback goes down, mm-hmm. you're not completely hung out to dry because Sam Bradford in week one put up 350 yards and three touchdowns was he was in great. this exact system. He was great in that game. And had a career season last year using some of the same principles near the end of the year anyways Yes, uh, when Pat Shermer took over but his you bring up board. a very good point. Nobody here is saying Bradford should play. No, he should so, only play yeah, if Case we're gonna get gets that. decapitated against the Saints Because we're going to hear that. You guys now are saying Bradford should play. You said Teddy should play before. No. Keenum's your, Keenum is your guy. But if you're going to go with the guy that knows this offense inside out, it's Bradford. Partially because I would contend Bradford probably had, had a role in designing it. Like, I think... I really do think that Shermer and Bradford uh, spent the summer together at least getting together and talking about the, the design. So Bradford, Bradford, it, to me, it goes a step beyond knowing it. I would say that he probably had a role in helping to design the offense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It's uh, that, that's even more incredible that all of this was designed with Sam Bradford in mind. And Case Keenum kind of, not not that it's like drastically different, the, the skill set that Case Keenum brings. Uh, but the fact that he can step in and you can't miss a beat. In fact, if you combine their numbers, the Sam Bradford numbers from week one and then Case Keenum from that point forward, the Vikings threw for 4,000 yards. They threw, I want to say it's 25 touchdowns and seven interceptions. The highest passer rating since, I believe, Brett Favre in uh, 2009. So it's across the board. Keenum plus Shermer plus Bradford equals one of the best combined quarterback performances in years here in Purple. If Bradford and Cook don't get hurt, how potentially good is this offense, do you think? How potentially good if Dalvin Cook, because he got hurt in what, week four against Detroit, I believe. If Bradford doesn't come in with a knee sore after the Saints game and Cook plays, because, I mean, Cook was a dynamic or is a dynamic player. Um, I'm not saying that this offense didn't operate, for the most part, at a very efficient pace. Mm-hmm. But you do you do go back, I think, a little bit and wonder if Bradford if Bradford can if you take the Saints game and let's just say he has a semblance of that for the next five weeks or something. Yeah, that's this offense thing. could have been pretty dynamic. Yeah, the the only real and it's it is the reason why he's always going to be a journeyman now. The only real criticism of Bradford now now that you've seen him in a great infrastructure is durability, and mm-hmm. and again that's going to that's going to prevent him from being someone's long term starter at least for the next couple of years until he proves durability again. And he might never prove durability with the degenerative knee stuff. I think he's a, to answer your question, I think Bradford healthy is measurably better than even this version of Case Keenum, which is hard to fathom, but I think that's true. The arm's better. And Dalvin Cook is better than both Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. Absolutely. Um, So we might be talking about a step or two above, and this has been a really good offense too, for the most part. 
Um, so, in fact, let's come back here. Let's let's dive into some more Viking stuff here. And if you guys have phone calls, you want to discuss this team's chances going forward, scenarios that you'd like to see play out, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. The home field advantage might not be what it seems. I know you want to get into this when we come back here. If you do make it to the Super Bowl in a month from now, we should talk about what that atmosphere will really be like. Uh, Also, the state of the NFC North with Ted Thompson sending out a statement today. It's it's official. Ted Thompson's no longer the GM of the Packers. They're doing the Bill Smith thing where they, hey, you've been here a long time and we like you, and we're going to keep you in the organization. Here's a consulting job, Ted. Yeah, you're going to design the new spring training facility, but don't come near our personnel. Mackie and Judd.